it going today, guys? Back here live in the studio on a very rainy Thursday for an episode of Hot Takes with TP3. I'm your host, Thomas Penland, joined once again by Ben Gorwitz on Thursday, December 30th. This is our last podcast in 2021. Next time you hear from us, it'll be 2022. Ben, say what's up to the people. Yeah, I hope everyone has a good upcoming new year. And uh, we got a stacked card, stacked college football slate to talk about, including the Final Four, then uh, a very important NFL Sunday. Yeah, we actually have an absolutely massive NFL card. I feel like the last three weeks, it's been like maybe three good games and the rest of the games are literally like double digits. This week, guys, is not the same. There's a lot of big games, a lot of <clears throat> teams with uh, winning records going up against each other, a lot of teams fighting for spots. But, guys, we have the college football Final Four. This is an absolutely stacked podcast. It's one of the biggest podcasts of the year. This is probably, you know, Ben, this is probably the biggest podcast of the year. By the way, South Carolina's up 15-0 now. I'm honestly so pissed we didn't take them. I mean, pretty much a lock to cover 13 at this point. I mean. Beamer's going to get tossed in mayo, it looks like, and he doesn't. he doesn't want that. Dude, I would throw up if somebody poured, dumped mayo on me, honestly. I think I would throw up. Um, yeah, it's it's absolutely disgusting. But, hey, it looks it looks like they don't get to hit uh, Mac Brown in the face of the frying pan or whatever his quote was about it. So <laughs> I guess that's a positive for North Carolina. But anyway, <laughs> let's get down to these games. So we're going to start things off on Friday. We have an 11 a.m. kickoff. I don't even know if I'll be out of bed yet when this thing kicks off. Number 17, Wake Forest was supposed to take on Texas A&M. Now they take on the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Wake Forest is 16-point favorite, over-under in this one, 62.5. Anything from you on this game, Ben? I won't play anything, but I would imagine that the switch – I mean, I, I wish they were playing A&M because I just want to see Sam Hartman go up against the A&M defense. Um I think pro scouts, even though I think he's got another year of college Hartman, I think pro scouts would like to see him against, um, you know, a good defense, even if mm-hmm. A&M opt out. So listen, Sam Hartman can really toss the rock all around the field whenever he wants. He's got a great deep ball. Um, I, I'm not going to play anything in this game because I don't have interest in it anymore with Rutgers playing. Um, but Wake Forest is a program that can light the scoreboard up. They can also give up a lot of points, though. Yeah, I have absolutely no idea in this one. Like, if it when it, it Texas A&M was supposed to be in this game, I was actually going to take Wake Forest because I didn't think Texas A&M would want to play in this game at all. But now I just don't even like. I don't know if Wake Forest has any interest in playing Rutgers. Sixteen points is a lot of points if they have no interest. If they do have interest, I mean, they should blow the doors off Rutgers. Rutgers is horrible. I mean, this Who's game playing quarterback. The- oh no, A&M's not in anymore. I was going to say even if A&M played, like we wouldn't know who their quarterback was because. Calzada is in the transfer portal. You're right, actually. Yeah, we wouldn't even know who's going to play quarterback. So, I mean, I have no idea what to do on this one. You know, for the sake of the podcast, just because the over has been steamed three and a half points, I would say take the over here. I don't think Rutgers will stop Wake Forest. They'll probably get a couple touchdowns. I'm I'm not touching this game. I don't even know if I'll turn it on the TV, to be honest with you guys. Next game up here on the slate is Washington State taking on Central Michigan. Central Michigan is replacing Miami. This is the Hyundai Sun Bowl. This game comes on CBS. This game is at – um, what the heck? This game, like, disappeared from my screen. Oh, it, uh, did it get I, – I don't even know what just happened. I don't think the game no, – I, I think it's at 11 – I think it's at 12, your time. Yeah, it's at twelve. It's at twelve. I don't know why I like disappeared from the screen I'm looking at, but the total was at was at fifty seven and a half or fifty eight and a half, I think. And it yeah, was, the f- spread was fifty seven and a half. I think yeah, it's this, Washington State minus seven. Yeah, Washington State minus seven. Thank you for helping me out, that one, Ben. This is really weird. It like dis it like literally disappeared while I was looking at it on my app. I don't know what happened there, but um, you locking up anything on this one, Ben? I- I'm avoiding the matchups to where we had like a late scratch and a team mm-hmm. added it. Um. 
I don't know how much film each team can have on each other. Um, and it's just, I just don't know enough about it, to be honest with you. I know that Washington State, with a lot of distractions this year, honestly played some good football. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they they fired like half their coaching staff. Yeah, over, their head coach, uh, Nick Rolovich, got fired because he refused to get vaccinated. I think one of the coordinators left with them because same, same yep. uh, reason. So, Still a pretty solid season for them. I think they got seven, eight wins. I think eight, seven, and five. So even with a lot of distractions, decent, decent season for them. Um, you know, they don't have Mike Leach anymore. So I don't know. I'm just staying away from this because it's a new matchup. Central Michigan got added, I mean, just a couple of days ago. Yeah. So I don't have the exact stat on it here, Ben, but the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl is what I like to call the Under Bowl. This is actually the longest bowl game in all bowl games. They play this game in um, El Paso, Texas, in the home of UTSA. Usually it's very windy and whatnot. Probably an underplay here for me. This game kicks off at 12 p.m. This is kind of your appetizer before the big games of the day. I think I'll probably sweat out an under to get rolling into the big-time games of the day. Um Ben, should we jump into the big games or should we talk about the other ones and then circle back? I think we should circle no, let's back. Do it. Let's, oh, you want to circle back? Yeah, I want to circle back, build a little more suspense up. Why not? I'm antsy. All right. Um, we'll circle back and give you all the rundown here for the uh, big time games. By the way, also to uh, Boise, the Boise State, it was supposed to play um, Central Michigan originally in the Arizona Bowl, which was going to be that barstool one. That was going to be a sick broadcast to watch, but that one got canceled. Um, anyway, let's go to Saturday, January 1st. This is New Year's Day. Um, at 12 o'clock, we're going to have Penn State take on Arkansas. Arkansas is up to minus two now. Um, the over-under on this one's at 48. I actually have a pretty strong play on this one here, guys. I think Arkansas wants to be here. They're one of the few SEC teams that's actually looking forward to playing their bowl game. I think Arkansas smacks Penn State. I mean, Penn State, ever since that Sean Clifford got hurt in that Iowa game, kind of trended down. It felt like Clifford came in and left it all out on the field one last time against Ohio State. I think Penn State's completely checked out here. They have so many injuries and whatnot. I mean, Penn State was good at stopping the run. We saw Arkansas get the run stopped. I don't think Penn State even cares at all about playing in this game. Arkansas and Sam Pittman on the flip side of things. This program was in absolute shambles. I mean, their win total coming this season was six and a half. If any team wants to be here in a big-time bowl game, Arkansas is one of those SEC teams that wants to play in this game. Sam Pittman's trying to build motivation. He's trying to build momentum going to next season. Sam Pittman, Arkansas, come out here and win this game by 40 points. Yeah, and the SEC hasn't had good luck so far, but I actually have two plays on this game. I'm going to go Arkansas minus two, and I'm going to take the under 48. Okay. Both these don't really have explosive offenses to kind of score like a lightning, um, you know, a lightning strike, you know, a deep mm-hmm. ball. I'll take it, you know – Arkansas like to run the football. They're running. They're a running power team on offense. They have a good defense, and uh, Penn State's usually strong defensively. And I think the good news going into the Penn State for for this game is at least there's there's no like uncertainty hanging over them. They know who their mm-hmm. coach is. Signed James Franklin to an extension, so at least that's not a distraction at this point. Um, you know, if you're going to keep James Franklin, sign up before this game so that you can just move forward into next season. I just think Sam Pittman will have his boys ready because, listen, it's just me. And I and I was – I mean, I don't know. Like, you and I disagreed on this. We had conversations over text. But, like, I thought Auburn um, would come to play. And I thought they played hard for the players mm-hmm. that were there. Obviously, they had some opt-outs. But, I, you know, like, I thought TJ Finley gave it his all. I just think he's not good enough, right? I think Tank Bigsby ran the ball hard. I, yeah. I think they – 
I, I just think when you have a when you have a younger coach for a program and Pittman's been there is this his third season? Yeah. Second season. No, maybe? second season, second season. I think you're still trying to build programs and, and it helps in recruiting when you can show up in, in bowl games like this and you can play well and I just think it matters for young coaches. Like I, I just do. Um obviously like Alabama's not ever in a not really ever in a situation like this, but like if they're not in the playoff playing in a ball game like this, like I don't know how much Nick Saban cares. Like at this point in Saban's life, he's 69 or 70 years old. Like he's coaching to win. He, he coaches to win championships and like Pittman wants to win the SEC West. He wants to win the SEC championship. Like it's steps. You don't do that in year two. Right. I, I just think it's steps to build the program to where you want it to be. And winning as many games in a single season gets you there. And I just think Pittman's got more to prove. I think he cares more to prove than Franklin at this point. Franklin is established at Penn State. His goals are winning the Big Ten, getting into the playoffs. I think Pittman's goals are having a strong regular season, getting as many wins as we can, competing for the SEC. And if we're not competing for the SEC, it goes back to winning as many games as you can. I'm going to take Arkansas in the under. I love it, man. Yeah, I agree with you with you completely with everything you said. Um, by the way, that is the Outback Bowl. Um, next game comes off at 1 o'clock. Um, by the way, you're probably going to need two TVs if you want to watch all these early games. Um, yeah. Maybe even three. We have the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl featuring number nine, Oklahoma State, versus number five, Notre Dame. Spread on this one is Notre Dame by two and a half, over under at 45 and a half. I'm going to go ahead and tell you guys this one. I'm not touching this game personally. Part of me wants to play Notre Dame, but at the same time, when I look at this game, I don't know if Notre Dame wants to be here. They feel a little snubbed, you know, not getting into that college football playoff. They could be checked out at the same time, though. They do have – um, what's the defensive coordinator's name? He's the head coach Mark, now. Marcus yeah. Freeman. Yeah, Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese could get the team up to play here. Uh, Notre Dame would be my would be my force pit play for the podcast. I don't want any part of Oklahoma State, guys. They were absolutely terrible this season. I mean, they finally – it took them all the way until that last game of the season to get exposed. But, I mean, we saw how bad Spencer Sanders and this offense can be. I mean, this is a defense team, no offense. I think Notre Dame should be able to beat them here. I just question a little bit of motivation here with Notre Dame. Nothing for me on this game. Uh, see, I think Notre Dame will show out the play because it's – Marcus's first game as a head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, you saw how much the players really love him when, when he got announced as the head coach. I think they'll show up. Um, do we have major opt-outs for Oklahoma State's defense that we know of? No, no opt-outs I know of yet. So Because uh, I'm going to take the under in this game. I like, like that. O- Oklahoma State's got one of the best defenses in the country. They proved that all season long, forcing a lot of turnovers. My only concern about the under – and this is what happened in the uh, Big 12 championship game is if Spencer Sanders is going to turn the ball over two, three, four times, it can lead to better field position for Notre Dame. But both of these teams have strong defenses. Um, I would assume Hamilton is not playing for Notre Dame. Yeah, he opted. Him and Kyron Williams both opted out. Yeah, I just think I, Notre Dame's got a lot of talent um, in their program. I, I think both strong defenses – and Oklahoma State doesn't have the greatest offense. I'm going to take the under. I think it's under 45. I think that's what it is. Yeah, under 45 and a half and get you that half point. 45 and a half. Okay, yeah. I'm going to take the under. Yeah, I actually like that under as well. I'm, I might play that one. We'll see what happens. Um, next I, I game. I don't trust. Like, I, I think a lot of people are on Notre Dame, which makes me want to take Oklahoma State, but I can't trust Spencer Sanders enough. And he's. I really dude, just I'd don't be, think I'd they're motivated, so, though. You know, like, I feel I'd like the team so that, that loses. Go ahead. 
Yeah, I feel like a team that loses in its conference championship and could go to a like you see it all the time in college football, like a team that has, you know, that it's I call it a dream crusher. Like when you lose that chance to go to the playoffs, when you lose your chance, you know, yeah. for something big like that, like why the hell do you care about playing in a meaningless bowl game on New Year's Day? Yeah, and you said that when like Auburn gave it all they had against Alabama, dream kind of crushed there. Mm-hmm. Um my thing is like if you were Gundy or, or Oklahoma State's like any offensive coach, quarterback's coach. I'd be mm-hmm. so frustrated with Spencer Sanders. He's like a three-year starter at this point, and he's gotten worse each year. He has. I remember and as a Adelaide freshman, we were t- yeah, as a freshman, we were talking about, about how or him, like that shouldn't happen in programs. Mm-hmm. No, one hundred percent. Like, I mean, as a freshman, me and you were talking about him as like, damn, this guy's pretty good. Like, let's see what he can do because he was a starter as a true freshman. And he looks horrible. He's he's been bad this year, and yeah, I get all- it. Like they lost. They lost Tyrone Wallace and they lost uh they lost two receiver uh Dylan Stoner. Who? Dylan Stoner. Yes, yeah, so they lost two receivers, and I get that. Like in Oklahoma State's not a program that, you know, they don't just recruit like crazy. Mm-hmm. But I I understand that. But he shouldn't be he shouldn't make these like his interceptions that he makes, it's like awful decision making on his part. It's not it doesn't look like receivers running wrong routes or anything. It's just like him throwing the ball in tight windows when they should never be thrown, especially when you can run like he can. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, speaking of uh, teams with piss poor offense and piss poor quarterback play, we have number 15, Iowa taking oh. on number 22, Kentucky in this game. This is the Verbo Citrus Bowl. Kentucky is a three point favorite over under is, uh, is 44 and a half in this game. Ben, we talked about it with the last game. Let's talk about motivation again. Kentucky, man, this is probably the best bowl game this team's been to in probably three, four years. Mark Stoops seems to always motivate this program to come out here and show up. I think they do have a couple opt outs. I still think Kentucky shows out here, and I think they absolutely smash Iowa with the minus three here. This is a borderline max play for me here with Kentucky. I think Kentucky's the much better team. Iowa is terrible on offense. I mean, I don't even know how they were able to win 10 games this season. It's because the Big Ten's so bad top to bottom outside of Iowa. I mean, this defense is good. Their offense is horrible. Their be- Tyler Goodson, their best offensive player, opted out. I don't really don't think Iowa will score. I'd be shocked to see Iowa put 10 points on the board in this game. Let's just put it this way. Spencer Sanders and Oklahoma State's offense falls in the same category. When your most explosive offensive play is a tight end screen, that's when you know. I love Kentucky in this matchup for the reasons you said. It's kind of weird for Penn State because Tyler Goodson as a running back is actually a good running back. Mm-hmm. And then Iowa typically has good offensive line play. So it's like, you know, build the run, build the run, build the run, and then play action game. But they just can't ever get it. They can't ever get the ball moving. Um, I don't know. Listen, Iowa's got a really good de- uh, defense and secondary. I understand that. I don't know how you guard uh, Wardell Robinson from Kentucky. He's the transfer from Penn State mm-hmm. that came. With Will Levis, um, the quarterback for Kentucky now. Listen, smart decision maker, running quarterback uh, for Kentucky. I like Mark Stoops as a coach a lot. I'm picking the SEC team again. I like Kentucky a lot in this matchup. Yeah, I agree with you completely on that one. I think I'm going. I'm going max play on Kentucky. So let's cash that one, guys. Big to big time with Kentucky. Um, next game up here on the slate. This one is the Rose Bowl, the game that's supposed to matter the most. Well, I don't think it matters that much for Ohio State, who's taking on Utah in this game. Ohio State's down to a four and a half point favorite now. Over unders at sixty four in this one. Ben, we we've had a. We have both Ohio State wide receivers, Olave, and I can't think of the other guy opt out for them. 
yeah, both both them opted out for Ohio State. You think Ohio State can still get it done shorthanded? I mean, they can because we listen. We know the talent that Ohio State has on their roster, and you obviously kind of have to talk about uh, Travion Henderson as a running back. Because man, is he a stud! I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I like Utah as soon as this came came out. Um, I don't remember exactly what it started at necessarily. But, started at eight. Yeah, and I, I liked it from the beginning. Utah is not an easy team to just line up and blow them out. Um, I, I list like, I guess, well, they don't fall into the category of uh, having their dreams crushed since they won the Pac-12, and they beat Oregon. They blew out Oregon twice, so it's like. I don't know. I, I like Utah as a team. I like Utah as a program. I think they're playing great football, and I think they've been peaking all second half of this season. They've played tremendous football as the season's gone on. I would like Utah from the beginning. The fact that the spreads come down even more, four points, I mean, even more is – or three and a half, I guess, whatever. Was it? What's the line now, four and a half? Four and a half. Yeah, so I listen, I still like Utah, and I was taking Utah from the beginning. I'm going to take Utah now, so give me plus four and a half. Yeah, once again, Ohio State's dream gets crushed versus Michigan. They don't want to be here. They don't care about this game. They have opt-outs all over the offense. They have opt-outs all over the defense. These guys are getting ready to go to the NFL. They might have five stars back there. They're going to be completely unmotivated, man. They don't want to be here in this game one single bit. Um, the flip side of things, Utah is actually a team that trended up. Yeah, they lost to BYU. Yeah, they lost San Diego State. That was when that they had um, the old Baylor quarterback, Charlie Brewer, playing quarterback. Now with Cam Rising in there, they really only have one, one legit loss which was, I mean, kind of a fluky game that came down to the end. Um, look, I think Utah is trending in the right direction here. I think that some, think they get it done here. I think Utah wins this game outright. I'm going to take the points at four and a half. Though It's going to be a max play for me at six. I missed the best of that number. I'm going to take them with the points, though, here at four and a half, just in case that we did miss out on a better number. But, yeah, Utah covers this thing. Wouldn't be shocked to see them win this thing outright at all. I mean, this is the much better team here. Um Next game up here on the slate, I think that actually we got one game left on Saturday. This is the All-State Sugar Bowl. Number seven, Baylor takes on number eight, Ole Miss. Ole Miss a one-and-a-half point favorite, over-under set at 55-and-a-half. Ben, you have the stronger play on this one. I want to make one point before I let you give your handicap on this game because I'm on the same side as you in this game. Let's put it this way, guys. There's nothing that a degenerate Ole Miss fan loves more than a nice little trip down to Bourbon Street. Oh, Yeah. Uh, this is actually a max play for me. Ole Miss minus – I think I, I got it at minus one. Is it, is it one and a half now? One and a half, yeah. I got it at minus one. Um, from the moment I saw this matchup, I loved every second of it, the fact that it was this close. And, listen, I don't mean disrespect to Dave Aranda and Baylor. They've had an unbelievable season. I And I don't even care that Jeff Levy left Ole Miss to go to Oklahoma. Lane Kiffin can call plays better than anyone else in college football. Um you want to talk a player, and this is what I love, a quarterback that has the chance to be the first quarterback taken in the NFL draft, um, if not just a first-round pick in general. Matt Corral is so excited to play this game. It is so excited to play his last game in an Ole Miss uh, uniform. He gives it all he got. He's a great quarterback in college football. I, I, I don't know what I think about him in the NFL. We'll have to wait and see. But in terms of college quarterbacks, he can throw the deep ball tremendously. He can run. He's He should be a little healthier. He's been banged up pretty much all season because of uh, when Ole Miss lost a bunch of their receivers earlier in the year. They kind of leaned on Matt Crowder to run the ball a little bit more, and 
you know, he's not the biggest guy, so he's taking some hits. But I love Ole Miss in this matchup. Obviously, I'm a huge Lane Kiffin fan um, from the from the days that he was the offensive coordinator at Alabama. And I, I just love Ole Miss in this matchup. They, I think they can throw the rock on just about anybody. I, I, I think they score in the 40s or 50s in this matchup. Yeah, I agree with you completely. Baylor won't be able to keep up in this game. I don't know. We also don't even know who's going to play quarterback. It could be Gary Behannon. It could be the other guy. So something to keep your eye out on there. I don't think it matters, though. I agree with Ben completely. Motivated Matt Corral and Lane Kiffin and Matt Corral's, you know, his final game is the Ole Miss quarterback. Ole Miss names the score in this one. And I think they blow nope. out Baylor. They'll tear up after the game, I think. Absolutely. Win, you know, win or lose. I, I think I, – I just think Oxford, Mississippi changed his life. I, I, it, I just – I do. I mean, I, I think Kiffin and, and Oxford, Mississippi changed this guy's life for the better. I think it means so much to him. and I just, He's ready to go out with a bang. I think he's ready to have the best game he's ever played. Yeah, I agree with you completely on that one, Ben. Um, last game – or. Last bowl game up here on the slate. This game is being played on Tuesday, and we got our final four games, though, after this one. Keep this one real short here. Number or unranked LSU takes on Kansas State. This game's on Tuesday. I didn't even know there was a Tuesday game. The Tax Act Texas Bowl is played at NRG Stadium, home of the Houston Texans. Kansas State, three-and-a-half-point favorite, over-under set on 48 in this game. Ben, it first, my first question for you is, is Coach O coaching this game? No. He's not coaching. That's what I thought. Um, I'll probably end up locking up Kansas State minus three and a half. Don't love the three and a half because Kansas State's offense is pretty bad. Neither team wants to be here, though, guys. LSU's got so many opt-outs. Coach O is not even coaching this game anymore. There's no motivational factor in here for LSU. Kansas State's not that great. Skylar Thompson, though, is out too. Say that again? Max Johnson, he opted out. I did see that. Yes, Skylar Thompson, the the quarterback for uh, Kansas State, he, this is going to be his last game. He's had a very long college football career. He'll want to go out with a bang. I think Kansas State's the only way I could look at him in this game. I'm not too excited about this game, though. It's at 9 p.m. on a Tuesday. Yeah, I got nothing on this game. Don't really care to talk. <laughs> Are we not doing the Michigan State? The, no, we did, we did Michigan. We did, we did that yeah, we did. yeah, we did all the games. We did all the Thursday games on last podcast. <laughs> so if you're looking for those, you should go back and listen. Ben? It is time, man. We've been waiting for it. I want to let the suspension build a little bit. Let's get into it, though, man. We got number four, Cincinnati, taking on number one, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Ben's boys, guys. Y'all know how it goes. I always start out whenever we talk about Alabama. Then we let Ben bring us home. Um, this game is the is in the CFB playoff, obviously. This is the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic, played in AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. Currently, Alabama, 13.5-point favorite. Over-under in this game is 57.5. All right, guys, max play in this game. Give me the points. Give me Cincinnati plus 13.5. First thing is, guys, Cincinnati played their best game of the season whenever they stepped up to play better competition all three games. I think Desmond Ritter and company brings it here, guys. This is the first time we've ever seen a mid-major program get into the college football Final Four. Cincinnati's going to play this game not to be blown out. They're going to play to keep it inside the number here. I think Cincinnati runs the ball a lot. I think Cincinnati, you know, they, they get everybody involved on offense. I think they pull out every single trick play they have in the book to get points on the board here. I think this game stays under, which is big time if you're catching two touchdowns. The flip side of things, Cincinnati is a damn good defense. They got Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant as their corners. Sauce Gardner is supposed to be a top 
15 pick in the NFL draft. He's going to be matched up, matched up on Jameson Williams. I don't think you can shut down Jameson Williams. Maybe you can slow him down a little bit. Cincinnati is a damn good defense, guys. They're going to cause all kinds of problems and wreak havoc on this Alabama offensive line. I think they can force Bryce Young to throw the ball a lot on a lot of third and longs. Not having Mechie is going to be huge. At the same time, though, when you have all this talent like Alabama has, these young guys, when you're practicing for these bowl games, this is when these young guys start to come out and show out. I guarantee you Alabama is going to have a true freshman receiver show out on the scene. I think it's too many points. I think Alabama wins this game at 27-20 or like 31-20. to I think Cincinnati covers, and I think we might be sweating down the stretch for a backdoor. Yeah, I mean, first of all, let's mention Kobe Bryant is spelled with a C. Yeah. Um, it is not with a K. He is changing his number from number seven to number eight. I mean, Kobe passed away two years ago, so I don't know what exactly he's changing his number for now. But, yeah. I mean, if you respects to Kobe, you know, I love you. Um, he actually won the uh, – uh, I think it's the Jim Thorpe Award, the best cornerback in the country. Yeah, He won it over Sauce Gardner, who hasn't given up a touchdown in his college football career. So I don't know how – that's possible, but <laughs> yeah, these corners are insane for Cincinnati is what we're trying to tell y'all. No, I mean, they're great. And, and everyone who has been listening um, to the podcast, honestly, for a full year now, I, ev- everyone knows that I really love Cincinnati. Yeah. We raved about them last year. I picked them to win the a- AAC last year. I uh, picked them again this year. Like they're really good. I think Luke Fickle's a tremendous coach. I think Desmond Ritter, um, what his team asks him to do. I think he does it at, a, at an exceptional level. Um, Jerome Ford is the starting running back for Cincinnati. I mentioned that he's a transfer from Alabama way back. He, he's been at Cincinnati for a couple of years now. Um, they're really good. Their defense is really good. Um, their offense is very consistent. They don't turn the ball over very often. They're very efficient. They're good in the red zone. They, they're good. They're a really good team. They absolutely deserve to be here. And as you mentioned, um, the security blanket is gone for Alabama. John Mechie tore his ACL in the second half against Georgia in the SEC championship game. It didn't seem to matter in that game. Um, Alabama stayed in a groove passing the ball um, against, you know, Georgia's secondary, which is also very talented. My thing is, uh, I mean, if you're Cincinnati, you have to get to the quarterback. If you just give Bryce Young time like Georgia did, you're going to lose by 50. And and I mean that in the nicest way possible. But you're going to lose just like Georgia lost if you don't blitz Bryce Young. And by blitz them, I mean you have to bring more than four every single play. Mm-hmm. Probably have to bring six. But then you're, you know, you can't double team everyone. I just think, you know, back to your point about Jameson Williams, he's in such a groove right now that I don't think you can slow him down. I don't care who you are in college football. I, I just don't think there's a cornerback that can slow him down. I think you can contain him, but not stop him. Yeah. And, and and there's a fine line difference between containing someone and stopping them. I'm looking for the Bama tight ends to, to come to play. And let, let's go down memory lane. Let's talk about Jaleel Billingsley from last year, right? An unbelievable talent that really came out of nowhere. Um, ended up being like Bama's probably third best target last year. Um, maybe even second. He was so good against Florida in the SC championship game. And, um, and in the college football playoff, he was in the doghouse at the beginning of the year. He did not start the game against Miami. He's gotten back. Uh, he's playing a little bit better. He made some big catches. He's the guy that made that fourth down catch against Auburn. Um, mm-hmm. It was like fourth and nine or something, fourth and seven maybe. He's back. 
he's playing better football. And then, as you mentioned, Bama probably has some guys. Well, they do. And they're not all freshmen. Um, listen, they're, they're really talented. The end of the day is I'm not as, I'm not as worried about the receivers. As long as Bryce Young has time to throw, he throws dimes. He throws it right to your chest. So any, any of these guys can make catches. I'm not worried about that. I think this is going to be a big game from Brian Robinson. I, I, I think Bama is going to establish the run. Um, I think him and Trey Sanders have, have good days on the ground. And listen, we know for a fact that Alabama can win games really however they want to, and they can make adjustments on the fly. So like against Georgia, they know Georgia has a really, really mm-hmm. good rush defense. So Bama threw the ball almost every play and shredded them. Okay, so if Bama can't, if Bama's not having the same success throwing the ball all over Cincinnati's secondary, okay, well they can run the football. Like th- they can win any way they want. Um, I just think it comes down to that. I, I, I just, I think they're really motivated. Everything I've heard from Saban this week, obviously he's not going to really say anything negative. Ah, I'll take that back. Saban's very honest. He'll let you know when he doesn't think the team practices very well. He said they held a team vote on. Uh, either Tuesday morning or Monday evening, whenever I think Tuesday when they got there. And he said the team voted to not go out. And he said the team captain's message to the entire team was, and team captains meaning Will Anderson, um, mm-hmm. he's, he's really a vocal leader on this team. The message was, you're not going to remember what you do going out on a Tuesday in Dallas. You're going to remember what you do in the college football playoff for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. I think the team is so locked in right now. We know that Saban's the greatest coach, the greatest um, – the greatest guy at preparation and uh, getting his players to execute. I agree with you in terms of betting. I, I think the best play is probably to take Cincinnati just because we've seen them play up to their competition or better than their competition. And we've seen Bama somewhat play down except for the Georgia. Let's, let's talk about, let's talk about Bama playing on the line real quick. Obviously against Miami, they're 19 point favorites. They're way better than Miami. They blow them out of the water. I'm going to throw out the Mercer and, and USM game because y'all split one and one against the spread. Those games don't matter. Y'all play Florida, 14 points on the road. Don't cover. It's too many points. Ole Miss, y'all, get four, y'all are given 14 points at the house. Blow them out of the water. Then you come back against Texas A&M, lose on the road, giving 17 and a half. Then you get 17 and a half at Mississippi State. Blow them out. I would say those Mississippi games are the two biggest outliers. Then Tennessee is able to cover the 25 and a half at home. Then y'all are y'all don't cover the 29 and a half against LSU, 20 and a half against Arkansas, no cover, 20 and a half at out at Auburn, no cover. Then somehow you're my you're plus six and a half against Georgia win that game outright by almost 20 points. I mean, I just feel like this. Yeah, I feel like the spread tax is just on Alabama. You know what I mean? Like Alabama plays, like you said, plays their competition level. Now, I do think there will be a bigger margin of victory than there was in some of those other games. But I just think I feel like it's going to be like a 10, like 13 point game. Like I think it's going to be really damn close to the number. I honestly think, and we and I talked about this with you right before we started recording. I, I honestly think the best play is probably to take Cincinnati first half spread. I know it's a lower number. It's probably what if it's 13 and a half? It might be under a touchdown for the first half, which obviously isn't great playing against Alabama. And Alabama is really good in the Let's first see half. Where the first half's at, yeah. Um, no, I bet it'll be taxed seven and a half. See, yeah, they know I, I, they know everybody wants to back up the truck on those Alabama first halves. Those have been taxed all season long. Like we were looking at them and we were like, all right, Alabama's fourteen points here. It's got to be like seven or like six and a half. No, it's nine and a half. 
nine and a half or seven and a half? No, no, no. I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying like all season long, like we've seen Vegas put the oh, yes, tax on yeah. them. Like this, like the first half's been probably like 60 to 70% of what the full game spread is rather than when it should be like 50 to 45%. Right. And so listen, I just think that's probably the better play just because I think we could get into one of those games to where once Bama settles in, in the passing mm-hmm. game, I think it, it could be a steamroll from there, but I don't think they do that from the very beginning. I think it could take a couple of possessions to kind of get locked in and to figure out who's going to be that third receiver that steps or really second and third receiver who steps up. I would probably take Cincinnati plus seven and a half first half. Um, I, I'm not doing that. I, I'm actually not going to take anything on this game. I'll spend enough money on New Year's. Plus I have all the other bowl games. <laughs> yeah, you have, have plenty invested in this game anyway. <laughs> yeah. uh, but that's my side of it. I mean, in terms of winning the game, I'm I'm not that nervous. Yeah, I wouldn't be nervous about it. I actually, I actually think a little different from you, Ben. I think Alabama will cruise most of the game and have a comfortable lead. I just think Cincinnati is going to keep on playing the game, and you're going to see them punch one in late to cover the spread. I think it's going to be more one of those type things. I really think we're going to need the back. I think the back door is going to be wide open, and they're going to cover, and we'll watch Alabama get the ball back with four minutes left and end up kneeing out the clock. One thing that's, like, I guess kind of similar to the SEC championship matchup was – Going into the game, every single analyst, reporter, podcaster, everyone who talks about this game is saying the exact same thing in terms of, like, I mean, different because it's Cincinnati's secondary versus Mm -hmm. Georgia's. People were mainly talking about the defensive line. But it was like, oh, can Bama do this against Georgia's stout this? Well, it's the same thing. It's can Bama do this against Cincinnati's stout secondary? Stop. Bama can do anything on anyone at any yep. time. I know they don't do that every single game. Like you mentioned, LSU, they didn't play well. Auburn, they didn't play well. Arkansas, like this and that. But if you're asking yourself, can a Nick Saban team do this? Why Don't even question yourself. The answer is yes, they can. And they show it to you almost every single year. It was the same thing with Florida. It, it was, I mean, it was mainly, mainly can Florida score enough points to keep up with Bama? But Florida's offense was was great last year with Trask and Pitts and Tony, this and that. Bama, I mean, did it look like they struggled? Like, no. Like, no. Did, did it look like they struggled against Georgia? And that Georgia had zero sacks against Alabama. I promise so, you, Ben, there's going to be a true freshman wide receiver that's name you haven't heard yet. He's going to burst on the scene in this game or a, a redshirt freshman. There's going to be a wide receiver that has not established – yeah, that we that the nation doesn't know about yet that will establish his name in this game. So there's actually – it's actually interesting. So JoJo Earl, who is a mm-hmm. true freshman, did a lot of the punt returning um, um, duties this year. He, he's been hurt the past couple of weeks. He's been practicing, and he's going to be listed as a game-time decision. And then Jailer Armour Davis, who's a cornerback, he's a junior. Uh-huh. I think he's also listed as game-time game, game time decision. They've both practiced all week, so that's at least good for Alabama. Listen, if you want me to throw out receivers' names. Yeah, give, it, probably, give, us, your, give us your surprise breakout offensive player in this game. Well, so the, the three receivers, not counting the tight ends, the three receivers to keep an eye on for Alabama are Javon Baker. He's number okay. five. Uh, Ja'Cory Brooks is number seven. He's the guy that caught that pass against Auburn mm-hmm. in the corner to force overtime. And then uh, Treshawn Holden, who's a sophomore. Um, he's number 11. So number 11, number five, and number seven. And then JoJo Earl is number 10. 
these guys are all super, super talented. I mean, Ja'Cory Brooks was the third best recruit that Bama brought in in their um, recruiting class in 2021. They also have a kid named Ajayi Hall, who's number 84, I want to say. He was, like, supposed to be, like, the great for yeah. the next Florida uh, receiver that came to Bama, and he has had a lot of off-the-field issues. Um, I don't know specifically what they are, but he's barely played this year. Saban has mentioned multiple times that he's pleased the way he's practiced in the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I'd say he show out too. The talent is always there. It's just you may they don't have the experience necessarily. I'm not worried about it as long as you got Bryce Young throwing the football. If Bryce Young happens to go down in this game, I will be sweating because they don't have a backup quarterback. Hey, well, hopefully we don't have to worry about that, Ben. It's going to be a hell of a watch. This game kicks off on 331st. Um, next game we got up here, though, guys, another great one. Next game we have number three, Georgia, is going to play number two, Michigan. This game is going to be in M- Miami Gardens, Florida, Hard Rock Stadium. This is the Capital One Orange Bowl. Both teams 12 and one. The line is Georgia minus seven and a half over under at 45 and a half. Um, I do have an official play in this one, so I'll start off with this one as well. First off, Ben, everyone in their mom is taking Michigan minus seven and a half. Look, I would take the dogs minus or plus or mi- minus this. I'm sorry, Michigan plus seven and a half is what everyone in their mom is taking. I would take the dogs minus the points. I don't want anything to do with the points, though, here. Look, and when I look at these two teams matched up against each other, I think Georgia is a better version of Michigan. I feel like that both quarterbacks yeah. are basically the same player. I feel like that both offenses are the same thing. Thing Michigan does have the better running back, but Georgia has a better stable of backs. Georgia has a better offensive line. They have a much, much, much better defense. I mean, both teams have superstars. There is their defensive player. It's Aiden Hutchinson. It's Jordan Davis for the dogs. Look. I th- actually think, even though this looks like a defensive matchup, I think they're going to go over the total here. I think Georgia's going to be able to open it up and pass the ball on Michigan here. I think Georgia's going to be able to get theirs. I have the final score of this game. I say Georgia ends up winning this game like 31-20, which is 51, and our totals fo- total right now is uh, 45 and a half. So I think they go way over the total here. I think Michigan will be able to get theirs, and I think this is going to be the better game too. I think this might be one of the most competitive college football Final Four games that we have. I just think ultimately – Georgia's pissed off, man. They got absolutely embarrassed versus Alabama. You don't think Kirby Smart's embarrassed. You don't think this team's embarrassed. You're wrong, guys. Every single player on this team is absolutely embarrassed. They're pissed off. They're going to want to come out here and smack Michigan. The flip side of things, man, Harbaugh and Michigan, they've been disrespected all year long. It's time for them to come out here and make a name for themselves. I think Georgia wins this game by two scores. I'm kind of with you uh, in terms of the Georgia spread. Um, Listen, I want to talk about Stetson Bennett real quick. He's getting way too much disrespect for the tape that he has shown in his yeah, two years yeah. being the Georgia quarterback. It's only Alabama that's mm-hmm. given him mm-hmm. against everyone else. He looks like he's a top ten quarterback in the country, top five if even. Like he's he throws the deep ball very very well. He makes good decisions most of the time. If he's not playing Alabama, people want to talk about in this game it's strength on strength, which it is. Uh, uh, Michigan ranked second in the country, I think, in uh, rushing on offense. Georgia's the best rushing defense yep, yep. I've probably ever seen. Um, Georgia runs the ball very well with uh, three, four, five running backs, or really three to four, really three running backs and then Stetson's legs too. And Michigan's defense 
is um, really stout against the run. So it's strength on strength, and I agree 100% with what you're saying when when you're talking about that you just feel like Georgia's the better version of the same team that Michigan is. Yeah, I agree. They're, they both like to run the football. Um, and if I'm choosing a quarterback to win a game, I'm choosing Stetson Bennett because he's not playing Nick Saban in Alabama. And my thing, you know, the other thing is uh, Daxton Hill. He was a five-star safety that chose Michigan over Alabama. Um, he is questionable in this game, and there are no reports. Harbaugh is keeping it. It's his best-kept secret. There are no reports that you will find if this kid's even in Florida or not. No one knows if he's practicing. Uh-huh. No one knows if he's even there yet. Um, I've seen reports that he might be showing up today. I've, I've heard reports people think he's there, and Harbaugh's hiding it. It's their best kept secret, and he is an absolute stud. Imagine, like, picture like what Jabril Peppers was at Michigan. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. their safety that guards tight ends, and he does it very well. And we know Georgia's best receiving target, other than Pickens, is Brock Bowers. He lit up Alabama. He was the only player that played well against Alabama, and he's an absolute stud, true freshman. They need Daxton Hill to play in this game to contain Brock Bowers. And here's the thing. Michigan, like, if you want to talk Harbaugh, right, let's think back to Harbaugh at Stanford. Let's think back to Harbaugh in the 49ers. And let's think about Harbaugh's Michigan teams. There's one thing in common. They run the football against everybody, and they don't change their game plan. Harbaugh is a run-first offensive-minded coach, has been at all three of those, uh, all two of those colleges in the 49ers that I talked about, and he's stubborn about it. He doesn't care who he faces. He's going to run the football, and he's going to run it against Georgia. He might have to get creative, but he's going to run the football. He's not going to be afraid to run the ball up the middle if it fails. He's not going to be able to run the football. He's going to. He's not going to ask Kay McNamara to do something that he has not asked Kay McNamara to do all year because that's who Jim Harbaugh is. He's a stubborn coach that wins his way, and I don't think he changes his game plan. Question is, in a close game, in the fourth quarter, who, which coach do you trust more? I mean, wise, you trust Georgia, but which coach do you trust more? I mean, Ben, that's like, honestly, I would take Kirby smart just because what he did to win all these sec games. And just because this is Harbaugh's first rodeo, at least Kirby smart's been there and played in some bigger games. Like, I would argue that this season Jim Harbaugh played his first big games that he's played in since he was the head coach at Stanford or the head coach of the 49ers, you know? So I would say that I would trust Kirby Smart here in Georgia. I think Georgia is the better team, but, you know, that is a really tough question. Who would you trust more? I mean, in this matchup, I would I would trust Kirby more. Not, okay. it's, but it's not like I'm not choosing necessarily Kirby over um, Harbaugh necessarily. I just trust Georgia – and the offensive line, the ability to run the football. I It really, for me, it comes down to the quarterbacks, and I trust Stetson Bennett to throw the football a lot more than I trust Kay McNamara. You know what this matchup really reminds me of, and I kind of hate to hate to to, uh, to compare everything to the NBA? Huh? It, re- it reminds me of 
It reminds me of everyone trying to mimic the Warriors, basically. Like when the Rockets tried to go to that all small ball team that just shoots threes and try to be the Warriors, basically, and it didn't work. That's what I feel like Michigan is of Georgia. I feel like that that Michigan and Georgia are the exact same team. They're the very few college football teams that want to run a pro style offense and really just run the football and ground and pound you with a good with a damn good defense that's going to get you off the field. That's what both teams are here, and I feel like Georgia is the Warriors and Michigan is the Rockets. Well, there you go. There's a little NBA for your <laughs> for your college football take. I, yeah. I mean, I I haven't taken it yet, but I would if I had to take something, I would take Georgia. Yeah, I see. Yeah, I agree. It's, with you it's really it's really because it'd be just be fading the public, honestly. No, I agree with you completely, man. I think Georgia's the right side here. I like that over, though. I really think that both these teams will get theirs. I think it's too low of a total for a college football team where you have two pretty good teams playing each other. I just feel like it's not – you know what I mean? I feel like both teams are, are going to look at it as, like, we're both good at running. I think Georgia's going to be able to get something going in the passing game. I mean, Georgia's, Georgia's offense has done good all season long. I don't see why they won't here. I think Michigan will score some, too, you know? So, it'll be – f- just, It's just Alabama that they freeze up on. That's it. Yeah, exactly. So – Hopefully, we'll be talking about the rematch again. Hopefully, we won't be talking about Michigan versus Alabama. Hopefully, we'll be talking about Cincinnati versus Michigan. That's for damn sure. I ho- I really hope we're not talking about Cincinnati versus Georgia. I might throw up on the podcast. Anyway, though, let's get over to the NFL side of things, guys. This is probably the best NFL card of the entire season. I don't know if we've said that or not earlier in the year, but I'm going to say it here again, even if we have. Guys, everything's on the line this Sunday. It's a massive Sunday. Let's start things out, though, Ben. We're going to go up to Buffalo, where it's going to be cold, windy, possibly snowing, as our Atlanta Falcons are 7-8, and eight, taking on the 9-6 first-place Buffalo Bills. Buffalo's a 14.5-point home favorite. Over-under in this game is at 44. Ben, anything on this game? I don't think I can play anything this game. Um, my worry in this game is Matt Ryan throwing the football downfield, not like the intermediate routes. Mm-hmm. It's just like at this point in his career, his arm strength isn't what it used to be. And throwing in the cold, it's, it's not easy. You would probably have a better memory, but like the Falcons have played like in Green Bay. Um, do you remember if like Matt Ryan struggled in those games in the cold? Um, he plays well against no, Matt, Green Bay. Matt, Matt Ryan and Julio used to destroy Green Bay when we were actually good. I knew that it was at home. I didn't know if it was also on the road when we used to play them, but I just I, I don't have a strong strong enough play in this game. Big game for the Falcons with the Saints just losing on uh, this past week. Big big game for the Falcons. I, I'm still proud of them regardless. Yeah, I'm damn proud of our Falcons and everything they've done. I feel like this is one of the most least talented rosters and everything we've had to deal with all season. The fact we're still here playing. I mean, without Dean Pease, we're a 2-15 and 15 team. So shout out Dean Pease and everything he's done with that defense. I actually like the Falcons plus 14 and a half. Call me crazy here, man. I just think it's too many points. I mean, what have the Bills really done to prove to us that they deserve to be 14 and a half point favorites? I get it, man. Atlanta's a dome team going on the road to play here. They're dead last in DVOA. I don't give a damn, though, man. I think Atlanta keeps it inside the points here. Buffalo's known to play with their food. I think Buffalo does not get margin here. Really, the only game in the past month Buffalo's got margin is on Carolina, and that's with with P.J. Walker and Cam Newton playing quarterback. Give me a break. The Falcons blew those boys out and absolutely embarrassed them. I think Atlanta covers the 14-and-a-half here, and I will be locking that in. I would lean – I'd lean heavy on on the two guys that have gotten to, you, to this point. I wouldn't change anything. Cordell Patterson and, and Pitts. 
I would give 84 the ball as often as I can. Call me crazy. I actually think Russell Gage is our X factor, man. I think if we can get Russell Gage going, we should have a chance. And Notre Davies White, he's out for the season, man. Get Russell Gage involved early and often, and then go back to that run game. But if I've seen anything of Arthur Smith game plans, he loves to run the football. Bills will be without Starla Tule. This is a good run defense, but I feel like he's the anchor to that. Next game up here on the slate, we have we'll go with the Las Vegas Raiders at the Indianapolis Colts. Vegas eight is eight and seven. Indies nine and six. Both these teams are fighting for Indies fighting for a division. Raiders are fighting for their playoff life. The over-under in this game is 44 and a half. Ben, anything from you on this game? Yeah, I'm taking the under. Um, it, it's not official yet. I'm going to wait to see if Carson Wentz can come back and play because of the new NFL COVID rules. There is a chance he can play. Um, if Sam Ellinger is playing like this is, well, I mean, what are we doing? I mean, yeah, for under 44 and a half, the Colts defense is great. Um, <laughs> under 44 and a half. I love the point of Sam Ellinger's playing. What are we doing? Well, I mean, I it's the same thing of what we just saw when like Ian book was playing. Like it's, uh, I Jake think from did, has Ellinger played once before. Or was that only in, uh, in, like, him, it, him, and Jacob Eason both played in one game earlier this season versus. The yeah, Titans. I don't. It's it's don't Sam play. Ellinger. Like nobody was more disappointing in college football. I agree, man. Give me the Raiders here. I already locked this one in when it was at five before it came off the board. Don't sleep on the Colts defense, though. I mean, like the Raiders aren't going to be able to move the fall that easy. I don't think because Darius no. Leonard just got activated. Oh, he's activated now. He got. He's off the COVID list. Okay, see, so, uh, so even with Darius Leonard back, I mean, I still think it's going to be tough to move the ball. I think your under is probably the right side there. I mean, I just I just think that the Raiders are going to get it done here, man. I like I like this Raiders team. I really do. I think they're nitty, I think they're gritty. I mean, the Colts offensive line still decimated. Some of the guys were out for COVID, some of them is injury related. This offensive line still decimated. I think the Raiders, I mean, the Raiders if we've seen anything with the Raiders, man, this team's nitty-gritty. They fight for their playoff life. I think they'll fight for it here. I think they'll lose a tight one. Well, let's talk about just real quick. What would this do for the Colts playoff picture if they lose? It doesn't hurt them too badly, does it? No, I think they're done if they lose because I think Tennessee will get. Let's put it this way. I got something strong on Tennessee when we get to them. So I think the Colts are the Colts are nine and six. Tennessee is currently ten and five. Tennessee plays them and I believe they play um, Houston to close. Yeah, and they play Houston. So I'd say Indianapolis is the wild card if they lose this game. Right, but they still should get into the playoffs is what I meant. Yeah, they'll definitely be in the playoffs. I mean, I think I still think Indianapolis wins this game straight up as long as Sam Ellinger doesn't play quarterback for them. But, I mean, they <laughs> have to – they play the Jags the last week. So, both teams basically get a free win to end the season. So, Indianapolis will definitely be in the playoffs okay. for sure. Uh, the, Texans, the Texans might not be a free win anymore. Davis Mills playing good football. <laughs> Hey, I hope he keeps winning, man. Um, let's get let's move to another Sunday at one o'clock kickoff. This is the game of the week right here. No, Kansas City Chiefs, eleven and four, looking to lock in that number one seed so they can take next week off. Take on those piping hot Cincinnati Bengals sitting here at nine and six. Total is currently five, is at fifty one. Kansas City's the five and a half point favorite. Like I said, Ben, I think I'm going to be on Kansas City in this game. I might throw him in as a teaser piece instead of taking him straight up. But man, I love Kansas City in the spot. Look, when I look back on Cincinnati, let's let's look at what they've done this season. Actually, okay, they beat Minnesota. Minnesota is a fraudulent team. They lost to the Bears. They beat the Steelers. Maybe not they fraudulent, beat... just inconsistent. Yeah, and Minnesota doesn't know how to win a close game. They right. lost by three to Green Bay. That looks pretty good. They beat Detroit. They beat the Ravens. They beat the crap out of them. They beat the Jets. 
They beat the Bengals, or they beat, a, or they lost to the Browns, forty-one sixteen. They beat the Raiders. They beat the shit out of Pittsburgh. Then they turn around and lose at home to the Chargers. They lose at home to San Francisco. Then they beat the Bron- beat the Broncos, and they beat the Josh Johnson Ravens. I don't really see the good win here on the schedule. I think Kansas City's playing their best football of the season. I think this defense comes in here and confuses them. They're riding in high off a huge win. I mean, you saw the quotes and everything. What happened last time after they had all those big-time quotes? They laid an egg at the house to the Chargers. Cincinnati comes in here lays an egg again. I think Mahomes and company beats the shit out of them here in this game. I I don't know. Um, I, I don't I don't think they beat the shit out of them. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know, I, man. I think, I think Kansas City's on another yeah, level. I'm not like necessarily disagreeing, but I, I'm going to make a square pick here. I'm going to take the over. Um, I, both teams can absolutely light mm-hmm. it up through the air. And if you look at both teams against uh, the pass this year, like passing yards, Cincinnati's 29th in the league in giving up passing yards, and Kansas City is 25th. So, I mean, you're ranking 20, you're ranking bottom, what's it, 32 teams in the league? So you're top ten worst in the league, giving up passing guards, and you're and you have to go guard Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and Joe Mixon. It's not the easiest receiving core to go up against. And I know that they're playing a lot better, Kansas City. They're actually I need to give them credit on defense. They're playing great. Um, we're still waiting to see on Kelsey to come back. He has not yet been activated. I believe Tyreek Hill has been activated. Yeah, Tyreek Hill played last week. Oh, that's right. He just barely played. Um, I'm waiting on Kelsey, which obviously it helps to have Travis Kelsey when you uh, are, are playing and over. But I'm going to wait to see if he plays. But my pick is probably going to be over 51. I, I just think Burrow can at least throw the ball in the air for a lot of yards on this team. I don't know necessarily if they're going to get a touchdown as often as they did last week. They might have to settle for a couple field goals. But I do think the Bengals can move the football. And just one last point, Joe Burrow is the type of quarterback that when he knows big games are on the line, when he knows his team needs him, tends to step up. Hey, I think he's going to have a tough time, though. I think that Kansas City defensive line is going to be in that backfield yeah, against it. that the weak offensive, offensive line. line. Is, the offensive line's not great. Yeah. It's going to be a great game to watch. That might be the game of the week right there. Um, another game, though, it's going to be kicking off at 1 p.m. you got two, two other teams fighting for – well, one team fighting for their playoff life, one team trying to win a division here. We have the L.A. Rams giving three and a half on the road at the Ravens. Um, we still don't know who's going to be playing quarterback for the Ravens in this game. Ben, what do you think on this one? Yeah, I don't care who plays quarterback. Um, I, I, I don't love the pick, but it, I, I mean – I'm taking the Rams. I, it's the depleted secondary that the Ravens have going against Cooper Cup, who's honestly on pace to have like one of the greatest NFL receiving seasons ever. Um, he's I don't know how and like Odell's playing with confidence. He's playing well. Um, Higby, this is his second week back um, off of the COVID list, so he's you know should be ready to kind of get back into his like six seven catches a game. Van Jefferson's the deep threat. Like, the Ravens have given up deep threats to a lot of teams this year. The Rams have Odell and Van Jefferson, who both are good deep threats still. Odell, what he showed on the Rams, I think he's been pretty impressive. Um, I think he's starting, like, not as productive-wise, but he's starting to to go down the path of what Antonio Brown for the Bucs looks like. Like, keeping his head mm-hmm. down, catching the balls thrown to him, not causing drama, like, Odell seems to be a lot happier. You're not hearing his name in the media. 
I, I think him and Sean McVay are on point right now, and then you have to guard Cooper Cup with a depleted secondary. Give me the Rams minus three and a half. And I, listen, Stafford's not playing good. Honestly, he might have had one of the worst games of his career last week. I think it's a nice bounce back spot for him in a depleted secondary. Even though it's a shorted, shortened week, and they got to travel from LA to uh, Baltimore, uh, it doesn't really worry me. I am on the flip side of things here with you. I like the Ravens, man. I just can't think. I just can't get out of my head, man. The last time we thought about the Ravens, they were at home. They were underdogs. This is against Kansas City back at the beginning of the season. And what happened? The Ravens came out and did what we thought they couldn't do. I think it's the same thing here, man. The Ravens have – I mean, don't get me wrong. They're very beat up. But on the flip side of things, the Ravens did everything they could, man, to give that game away to the Vikings. Kirk Cousins just couldn't get it done because he sucks. The Vikings got three interceptions and still couldn't win the game. Matthew Stafford has been a turnover machine. I think this Baltimore defense at home is going to be able to get after him. Now, they have a ton of people on the injured list. I'm going to have to see what this game, what this matchup looks like. If Lamar Jackson's in there and gives it a go and they get those defensive ends and Tyus Bowser playing in this game, I think I'm going to have to take the Ravens as home dogs. I wouldn't be shocked to see this one hit four as well, but I just think Baltimore at the house, man, in a must-win game, I think they can get it done. It's going to be cold outside also, too. This Rams team's used to playing in that uh, in that pavilion out in L.A. They're not going to be ready for this one. I think the, I think the Ravens could end up smacking them in this game. I think the Rams are frauds, personally. Tony Michelle's been running the football very well, the Rams, too. Yeah, so. And nice Henderson's out for the back. season. Who? Darrell Henderson, he's out for the season. Yeah. What's with yeah. your boy Cam Akers? He apparently, I don't know. He, Five months removed from Achilles. Yeah, that was weird. And they actuated the him, but he didn't even you? play. Yeah. Is he Superman? I mean, <laughs> he might be. I thought he was when he's at Florida State. So he very well could be. I wouldn't put it past him. Next game up here on the slate is going to be played in Ben's backyard in Nashville, Tennessee. The piping hot seven in a row Miami Dolphins at eight and seven come in fighting for their playoff lives against the Tennessee Titans, who are still making that push to try to get the number one seed in the AFC. Spread on this game is three and a half over under at 39 and a half. Such a low total. Yeah, what what is going on here with this total? But Ben, I have a max play on this game we saw it last week man when the titans got back aj brown that was the shot in the arm they needed i think it's gonna be the shot in the arm they need again this week let's just go down a little list here real quick guys of the teams the dolphins have beaten on this win streak so dolphins started out the season one and seven was absolutely abysmal the dolphins get things on track beating the houston texans beating the ravens that was that that was a weird game that's probably the one good win but at the same time the way lamar jackson's played lately is it that good of a win they beat the jets they beat the panthers and beat the giants they beat the jets again and then they beat the ian book saints Tennessee smack city here. Tennessee wins this game by 20 points. I think, I think Tua and company bought off a little more than they can chew. See, I'm taking Tennessee as well, but here's the thing. Like everyone wants to talk about what, what you just mentioned the the dolphins haven't beaten anyone. Why is no one mentioning it is damn impressive to win seven games in a row. It is in the NFL, but no one wants to mention that. They're like, well, here are the quarterbacks they play. Dude, I don't care the way that they're suffocating quarterbacks right now is damn impressive. The way that Tua has played is damn impressive. I agree. The way that Waddle has played as a rookie is damn impressive. Like, but no one wants to mention that. Everyone's like, well, they've they've beaten six awful teams. Okay. The Texans just beat the goddamn Chargers by a lot. 
Like, yeah, let's just, let's just it, put it, it this way. When we talk about the end of the season awards, Ben, when we talk about offensive rookie of the year, I'm going to make a real strong case for Jalen Waddle. We all know it's going to be Mac Jones because it's a quarterback lead. But let's be honest. Is Mac Jones is Mac Jones ranked top 10 at his position? I mean, Kyle Pitts is because half the because they 40 percent of 60 percent of the tight ends in the NFL are trash. Jalen Waddle is a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL as a rookie coming off an injury. Jamar Chase might battle Waddle for that because he does have a lot more touchdowns than Waddle. Um, but Waddle's, I mean, the receptions, I mean, he just tied Jerry Rice for a record. Like, you're in, you're in the history books of Jerry Rice. It's impressive. I just think not enough people are talking about the Dolphins winning seven games in a row. I agree. And more people are talking about who they played against. Like, mm-hmm. I get it. They may not be impressive wins, but a win is a win in the NFL. And you win seven in a row, it's it's really impressive. Um, but yeah, I, I think AJ Brown is the difference maker. They literally threw him the ball every single play. You knew it was coming and you couldn't stop him. It's that's not good. Hey, his Instagram name says it all. AJ always open, baby. That boy's always open. Next game up here on the slate is a four four oh five kickoff over on CBS. We have the seven and eight Denver Broncos taking on the eight and seven Los Angeles Chargers. Basically, a playoff elimination game. Chargers don't control their own destiny, but they're going to need this game like blood. Chargers six and a half point home favorites. Over under on this game's at forty six. I don't think yeah, I want Eckler's, any. Par- Eckler's back too. Yeah, Eckler will be back. The Chargers are going to get everybody back pretty much. Derwin James, all those guys they missed last week for COVID. I think that was a fluke and tough luck because they lost everyone. I think it was on like Friday for COVID, so they didn't have much time to recover from that. I think the Chargers are a great teaser piece. I don't want to take them straight up. The Broncos will ground and pound, but come on, guys. It's Drew Locke. You're really going to take Drew Locke? Give me a freaking break, man. I don't want anything on this game straight up. I will be taking the Chargers, though, in a teaser. Yeah, I'm actually going to lay off of this game. Um Oh, those are your boys, though. Um, yeah, but I've been at the point where I've said, remember when I said I'm on the Chargers until I say I'm not? Well, yeah. I said I'm not like two weeks ago. They're just, they need this game, but that mean, that doesn't mean anything. I mean, that just means them needing this game, meaning to play aggressive, means there's a higher chance Brandon Staley screws up. <laughs> You're not wrong. And yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I'm laying off the game for the sake of the podcast. For the sake of the podcast, I would honestly look into the Chargers team total over just because they have all those offensive players back. Um, and it does make a difference for them, but uh, it's going to be nothing for me. I like other games. Yeah, I agree with you completely on that one. Another game that we're going to look at here at four, which is 425, this is America's game of the week, is the Detroit Lions versus. I'm just kidding. That is not America's game of the week. <laughs> <laughs> I did that intentionally, by the way. I just wanted to see how long it take Pin to react. Um, it is actually oh, the t- eyes popped out of my head. <laughs> yeah, they did. I got the reaction I was looking for. It's actually, guys, the 10 and 5 Arizona Cardinals taking on the 11 and 4 Dallas Cowboys. Dallas, a six point home favorite, over under in this one at 51 and a half. Anything on this one, Ben? Um, I what what are, what are the Cardinals looking like in terms of COVID and and uh, injuries other than DeAndre Hopkins being out? Obviously, I haven't seen anything really. But the Cardinals are twelve three and two ATS as a road underdog. Yeah, and that's what I was just about to bring up. They're they're great on the road. The problem is, can you trust them? I mean, the Cowboys' pass rush looks good right now between Parsons and Lawrence. I wouldn't throw them on to Trayvon Diggs, would you? 
<laughs> I wouldn't either, especially the way they, especially without Nuke Hopkins. I mean, if anyone listened to our podcast on Monday, we ripped the Arizona Cardinals apart and honestly really dissected them. Look, Dallas is nine and three this season, or Dallas has had three losses against the spread. So that would, they're 12 and three, sorry, against the spread this season. I mean, you got to think the spread tax is real on at six on this one. I would say it should be closer to four. I, I would say Dallas is a good teaser piece. I feel like they're going to win for all the reasons you said. I mean, we watched Indianapolis's defense pretty much stifle them without Darius Leonard. I think the same thing's got to happen here. I mean, Arizona did miss some field goals, got a little unlucky. I just really don't want to back Arizona. I think they're a great fate of the public. Public's all over Dallas here. I think I would only play Dallas in a teaser. I'm probably not going to touch this game, though. I mean, yeah. Arizona's just looked horrible, man. I just don't want anything to do with them. It's almost like until they show me they can do something positive without DeAndre Hopkins. Like, I just can't back them at this point. But I just don't feel comfortable laying the six with the Cowboys in this big of a game. But the Cowboys' offense looks damn good right now. When they're healthy, like I mentioned it on uh, our Tuesday podcast, the two-headed monster running back between Mm -hmm. Pollard and Zeke works out perfectly. They complement each other very well. And when you have Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Dalton Schultz, and Michael Gallup, and Tyrone Smith playing left tackle, Dak Prescott thrives, and he shines. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can lay six, but the Cowboys, they're a team that can let you down, so I think I'm going to stay off of it. For the sake of the podcast, I I hate it, but I, I would take the Cardinals just to fade the public. I mean, I think that's a very sharp pick by you right there. I mean, you got to think about it, too. We just watched Arizona in primetime and shit the bed, and then we just watched Dallas in primetime. I don't, I don't trust I don't we, trust Kingsbury, though. Yeah, I mean, we watched Dallas in primetime. They beat the Redskins and Washington football team in one quarter. I mean, the game was over at the end of the first quarter, you know? So I think, that's a, I think that's an extremely sharp play right there. I mean, I'm I'm with you on this one, Ben. If I had to play something straight up, I would take the Cardinals, maybe the under. Um, I'm, I might t- put Dallas and Chargers together, though, in a nice little 4 p.m. teaser. The only thing is, like, I mean, Dallas's defense has been able to score recently. Mm-hmm. So it hurts unders. <laughs> exactly. Um, last game on the board here we're going to go with for this podcast. I have a huge play on it. Seven and eight Cleveland Browns walk into Pittsburgh. Seven, seven, and one Steelers playoff go, winner basically goes home. Season's over. Steelers plus three, plus three and a half at the house here, over under at 41. Look, I'll go ahead and say this. I like the under in this game. I think it's going to be very low scoring, fought out in the trenches. This is this is probably the last game Big Ben ever plays at quarterback in Heinz Field. He, he already, he already kind of announced it. Yeah, exactly. Big Ben knows. We even saw before the Titans game where he was sitting in the tunnel by himself, like staring. Like, guys, this is the most emotional game for a Hall of Fame quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger. You think he's going to let the Browns, with all the dysfunction they have, come in this house and beat him? Hell no. Steelers money line, Steelers plus three and a half max play. Big Ben gets it done at the house and keeps Steelers alive for one more week. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. Um I'm going to take the Steelers plus three and a half, then the under in the game. I'm going to lay off the money line. Just, I mean, it's not, I'm not going to say the Steelers are very trustworthy on offense, but I <laughs> not see at all. Point. Like, I see your point. And listen, it, like, it, it sucks watching quarterbacks like this go. I mean, like, Ben Roethlisberger is the longest tendered quarterback to play with one team in NFL history now that, you know, because Brady left. Mm-hmm. It's, we grew up with Big Ben. Like Big, like Big Ben is a quarterback that we've seen our entire life. Yep. And 
He's a Hall of Famer. He's a no doubt Hall of Famer. Two time Super Bowl champion. He's just he, he's a great football player, and he's done it for a long, long time. And I think it's just like an emotional pick that you don't want to bet against him, even though it's very obvious it's time to hang it up. I just don't want to pick against them, so I'm not going to. So give me the Steelers plus three and a half. Give me the under in this game because both of these teams suck offensively. And uh, just ride it out with Big Ben one more time at Heinz Field. My, I would love to get T.J. Watt to play in this game. Do we know if he's coming back? Um, Nothing official, the- but I I mean, if I had to guess, T.J. Watt's definitely going to be out there and leave it all on the field one last time. Well, he was on the, the COVID team. list. It's not really up to him. Oh, he, wait, he's on the COVID list again? Was he? I thought he didn't play last week because he was on the COVID list. No, he was. He played last week. That was I mean, two. That was two weeks ago where he was on the COVID list and he cleared uh, before the end okay. of the week. Yeah. Well, if he, I, I had my weeks mixed up then. I thought he didn't play last week. And also, yeah. it's worth noting what we saw out of Miles Garrett. Uh, they played the Packers last week, right? Mm-hmm. He was kind of on one leg. Um, Aaron Rodgers knew that. Aaron Rodgers said it when he goes on the Pat McAfee show on Tuesdays. He said, "You know, I was talking to." There was that point in time where Rodgers got stepped on and he was talking to Miles Garrett and uh, Pat McAfee had asked Rodgers about it. He said, yeah, you know, I asked him nicely, please don't step on my toe, like in a joking manner. And he and he said, like, Rodgers told him he's got a lot of heart, a lot of love for Miles Garrett for showing up for his team when he knows he's not 100%. I don't know if Miles Garrett is 100% a week later. I would assume he's not, um, but he is going to play and he's he's a stud, so. They got to block him for Big Ben, but I, I'm not going to pick against Big Ben last game in Heinz Field. That's, that's no. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Nobody wants a part of that. Give me the under as well. Yeah, I do like that underplay. All right, guys. Well, we've been here for a very, very long time, so we'll let everyone get out of here. But happy new year from me and Ben. Hopefully yep. everyone cashes on these bets and bets responsibly. It's going to be an awesome week. This is one of my favorite podcasts we've probably done all year. So had the biggest games of the year on it. We'll see everyone in 2022, and we hope everyone has a good new year.